Welcome to the Suffer Sooner podcast. Follow along with three average people doing some above average things. We have jobs, families, and we enjoy pushing ourselves to be the best that we can be in gravel, triathlon, and endurance sports. We've made mistakes, conquered what was once impossible to us, and pushed through barriers to come out the other side stronger, smarter, and more willing to find the truth in the dark places that only suffering can take you. Sometimes in life you have to be willing to push yourself in an attempt to get it over faster, and thus you may just have to suffer sooner. Well, welcome to this week. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, me and Danny's experience at Mesa Marathon, and then we are going to talk about some A, B, and C races. How do you make choices of what's your most important event versus your least important event? So um, welcome to the Suffer Sooner podcast, and I'm Travis, and I'm joined with Danny and Serena. So, Hey, Travis. Hey, man. Serena, how's it going? Serena, great to have you back. I want to take a second and just say how proud of my friends I am. Um, the weather in Mesa was crap and the two people here sitting with me finished a marathon in less than perfect conditions. So if I had an audience, I'd ask them to give you a round of applause at this point, fellas. Ah, but there we go. I'm proud of my friends. Ah, uh, it was, it was good. It was, uh, it would have been a lot better to, you know, suffer there with Serena for sure. She would have, you know, told us how we were, this was a dumb idea, even though we already knew it was. <laughs> you know, it's funny because we, we were talking last week. So Travis, you were already in, in the Phoenix area when we had the uh, podcast last, last week. And, and I was looking at the weather and we had this, like, what is going on with the weather? It's like, it's going to be a little rainy, which rainy's fine, but it's a desert. You don't expect a lot of rain. And then, and then I look at the, the temperature, it's going to be what, 40, 41 degrees at the start. Like, 41 and rainy i might as well stay in kansas city what are we doing so, yeah it was it was so cold um yeah we'll, we'll get to that part too but yeah me and as you can tell me and danny we didn't die we made it um it, we pr'd our marathon times which is great um and then uh you know i i think it was just great that we were able to do this marathon it kind of helped us stay honest through the winter and uh we trained in you know uh in the cold weather here in in missouri but um i always look forward to going to uh, arizona and around this time because it's supposed to be average temperature supposed to be 70 degrees and sunny and it was 45 degrees and it rained uh i don't know inches there it had so much rain on a lot of those days so I'm pretty sure you guys brought that weather because I was in Phoenix four days before and it was 70 degrees and sunny all of the days that I was there. So it's pretty much your fault. Yeah, it probably is. The weather, the weather doesn't like us for sure. Mother nature, we, we, uh, we provoke it too much when we're out running on the levee. That's yeah, for sure. That's right. So, so Travis, it was, so let's like kind of dive into a little bit. So, so the, the race itself, it starts, uh, it's supposed to start what it's six 30 in the morning, local time, right? Yep. It was, it was rainy, it was cold and, and we saw a lot of people there at the start line that, um, they didn't look like they were ready for those kinds of conditions, were they? No, they were not dressed like us. I saw a bunch of, um, our lady friends out there that were in a, I would say sports bra and short shorts and just for shivering convulsive shivering on the side of the road. Mm. And that was just the start part. And then, you know, 
everybody was trying to give them their space blanket and just keep them warm. But I mean, to start a marathon already just that cold, I don't, I don't know if they made it or if you know how you could do it. it was yeah. it was crazy. But um, yeah. but we knew going in there that it was going to be cold. I, the only thing piece of kit that I wish I would have brought was my long sleeve undershirt that I usually wear for running cold mm -hmm. up here. But um, I made the decision to wear leggings and shorts over them, and then I had my regular running shirt with, um, and then I had uh, arm sleeves, and then I wore a beanie, yeah. and and we had in the and the Mesa Marathon people gave us gloves um, yeah. in our race pack, and I was basically okay with that whole situation um, throughout most of the race. Yeah. So I have to laugh because those gloves, those gloves, like they became part of me. I, I had those things on <laughs> for 18 miles and I, I, I'm not kidding you, man. I went from mile 15 to mile 18. I kept thinking I was starting to warm up. I think I'm going to take them off. And, um, and then I was like, you know what? I, no, no, I love these gloves. Like I was telling them, I love these gloves. And, and so, you know, normally you just take those gloves, you just throw them to the side of the road and they, they donate them. They, they do something with them, but, but uh, maybe they end up in the trash, but, no, I, I kept the gloves, Travis. I brought them back to Kansas City. They are part of me, and they're going to make an appearance on the next cold run we do, and hopefully that's not for a long time. But they're going to make an appearance. I I had to keep them. They were just they they grew to me. But I think I was one of the maybe one of the last ones to ditch them because uh, like everybody around me still had still you know had had already kicked them. And no, no, you gotta you gotta latch on to whatever gets you through that kind of an effort, right? So yeah, any 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 bit of comfort you can get in in a situation that was that bad um <laughs> is the best thing that you can do i did not keep my gloves i thought about keeping them but i was already like mm, i i i'm good <laughs> they were a mess so hey let's yeah. dive into let's dive into the race itself so yep. so how did your race go i mean we we stuck together just for for anybody that's listening like we we train together our paces are very similar on a on a good day on our best day, Travis, I think you're you're probably you know a, a decent amount faster than I am on a good day on given distances. But but I think you know we kind of said going into this we were going to try to stick close to each other for the first first half or so, and, and we did for the most part. But maybe like how did how did your race go? Like how how are you feeling? Uh, my race went surprisingly well. I think uh, you know out of the what twenty three miles or twenty six point two miles, I only had three that were bad. So it was the last three. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, going, going into there, we had, uh, clear pacing strategies and fueling strategies that we adhered to. Um, and I just felt like we were, we were basically just really staying with that four hour group. Um, I, I think, um, if, if I was taking this race a little bit more seriously, um, we definitely would have stayed with that four hour group for a, um, for a longer time mm -hmm. um basically to 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 let everybody know for the first half of the marathon we um were together uh all the way up until almost the 13 mile mark and then i basically had to use the bathroom and um i needed to uh you know use the facilities there luckily they had them and i didn't have to go into somebody's yard but um <laughs> i used the facilities and you know it's been about uh, what seven minutes in there and then mm. Danny I told Danny just to go on without me don't wait for me I'll catch up and so that was after that after I got out of the 
Porter John, I proceeded to just try to claw back as much time as I could to try to go and get with Danny. So yeah. every backwards hat that I thought looked like Danny, I would run up to them. And unfortunately it was not them. And Danny basically held me off for our, for the last 13 miles. You know, it's funny. Cause when you, when you took, so you, yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we were pretty much neck and neck for the first, for the first half of the race. You told me you had to go, so you you actually went up the road on me a bit, and I I think I lost you for a second. I don't remember seeing exactly where you ducked off, and and all, I think I told you when you when you left, hey, don't don't like kill yourself trying to catch me because I'm not having a great race. Like I I knew for me I was I was I felt okay, but hey, 13 miles that last 13 miles is is the toughest 13 miles you'll ever run in the last five miles, six miles of a marathon are the toughest miles you'll ever run also. So, so I told you what I tell you, I said, I said, don't, don't kill yourself trying to catch back up to me. Like I, I see a steady downhill fade coming. Like I just, yeah. I could just feel it. Like that's how I felt. <clears throat> and, and I, I promise you that wasn't a setup, man. It, I know it probably seems like it now, but it wasn't a setup. And, and so I, I did, I, I, from mile really from mile 15, like I kind of held that, that pace. I think we were running about nine, nine Oh five to nine twenties in that first half. And then we kind of dropped it down to about nine twenty nine thirty. I was running, you know, our standard pace up until about mile 15. Then I just hit a groove where I just locked in on like nine thirties from 15 yeah. to what was it? 23. I think it was. And, and I just, I got into this, I got into this dark spot. Like, you, you know, anybody, you, you do these things enough. Like, you know, when you start to get into these dark zones and, and I was like, just suffer sooner, just get this, get this over whistle gravel season can start. And, and I'll tell you, it, um, it, it was a surprise to me. I, that was probably the, the toughest, but best seven mile stretch I think I've ever run. And it wasn't my fastest, but I don't really care. It, it, it was just a steady run. And um, I kept thinking every every loud set of footsteps behind me. I thought, oh, shit, Travis caught me, and now I'm, I, you know what? Go get it, man! I hope you I hope you have a great great finish. But um, yeah, somehow it held you off. It was I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. So yeah, I um I basically came out of that uh, bathroom break, and I was like, okay, you don't have to kill yourself. You just have to run a little bit faster per mile. So I basically locked into that you know nine ten mile pace. And I was like, I'll, I'll catch him in a couple of miles. So then I started like, oh, there's a backwards hat. There's, <laughs> is that Danny? No, that's not him. Okay, just keep going. And uh, to tell you the truth, I started catching up about mile, I would say 18, 19. I started catching up with the group that we left, that mm. I left when I went to the bathroom. I mm. saw this guy that was wearing like uh, tiger pajama pants that he was <laughs> up with us. And then I saw like a bunch of people that were running with us for that long time um that were that i passed and i was like oh danny's got to be here mm -hmm. he's definitely got to be here somewhere like he's going to be around the corner so i just kept looking further and further down the road and i just kept telling myself i'm like look he's not he's not going to roll over and just give me give me an easy way of catching him nope. he's going to make it hard and and i know he's thinking that i'm not going to just let him you know yeah. go ahead and just go out and uh yeah it was it was basically full-on um racing at that point and i was just doing my best to try to you know you know make the corners shorter and do and just stick to the fueling and drinking and just keeping keeping track of what i needed to do to try to catch you the best i could yeah and yeah and then the rain started <laughs> 
That's right. It did. It there's it it, um, dumped it on dumped. us from mile eighteen. Yeah. Like just dumped, and it was yeah. so cold. Yes, it was. So, so guys, I have a question for you. Yeah. Yeah. My two biker friends. I know that this is the second open marathon you've done. You did the same race last year. What possessed you guys to decide that you wanted to take a swing at an open marathon again this year or in the first place? Yeah, I'll, I'll start it, Travis, and you can you can pick it up. But I, you know, I think a year ago. So for me personally, I, I was I was sick the week of the race last year, and I just wanted first I just wanted redemption on the course. I, I like I didn't did not put a good effort. I mean, a good effort, all things considered, but it was not a great effort. It was not my best effort. So I, I just wanted redemption on the course. But, but you know, we we talked a little bit about this, too. Like, there's something about the the running uh, program in the offseason that, at least for me, and, and I don't know, Travis, you might agree with this, but I, I think for me, the, the marathon training has really set up the bike season. I think last year I felt like I was stronger on the bike when I, when I resumed out of off season, I felt like I was stronger on the bike. I could hold the efforts a little longer. Um, so I, I just think that it was a great opportunity to cross train. And, and, um, I, I, you think, you know, I think I would have learned my lesson after doing the one a year ago and that the marathon is part of Ironman chat, but it was, this, this was a lot of fun. I mean, this is just a great race too. It's a great scenery. I mean, aside from the cold weather and which nobody can control, it was an awesome event uh, once again. So, would I go back and do it again next year? Absolutely. Am I going to? I don't know because I don't know if I want to do another marathon. So <laughs> soon, ask me again in a couple more days and maybe I'll change my mind. So I don't know, Travis, what about you? Um, I'm always for the, I really hate running. I'm not a great runner. Um, so I'm always like, you know what? I should do things that I'm not good at to try to improve them. And, um, and so that's that's my whole feeling for it. And then of course, you know, it just it keeps you you know, I'm I'm the type of person that needs like a kind of carrot to to keep training. I can't just train in the ether. Um I I kind of just need to keep working on stuff. So running is one of my weaknesses in triathlon for sure. Um so I I was just like I I need to run. And so I was like, we'll just do another marathon. And, um, it does help with the biking. I think it's just the fact that you really can't suffer. I mean, you can suffer on the bike, but you know, all you have to do is just stop pedaling and then, mm -hmm. you know, it, it kind of goes away with running. It's like, well, you can stop running, but you still have to walk there. And like that walking hurts too. So like, it's just like everything you do hurts on, on a marathon. So I figured, you know, it's just. It's just one of those things that um, I'll do, I'll do, and I'll keep doing until I guess I can't. You know, um, I was I was talking to Danny right after the race. Um, we met up with one of our our good friends. Uh, she was there, and I was telling him I was telling him all about like, oh, we could we could do the uh, the Las Vegas marathon. It's a mm -hmm. it's a net downhill one. It's in November. We could, <laughs> go and do that and don't he was tip like me, don't. Travis. and he was like don't even talk to me right now <laughs> he was not ready for it and i'm i'm not and i'm joking like i could i could i couldn't even walk after i crossed that finish you were a I mess was, Travis. i was limping yeah because <laughs> i'm um i'm left leg dominant so like i'm goofy footed and um or i'm the I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not. You could have just left yeah. it a goofy. Everybody would. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm. So, so when I was running and it rained, 
my left thigh got a uh, a blister, like so I had to go more right leg dominant, and then that really just kind of um uh totally like wrecked that side of my body, hmm. like it was just um it was like I. I, I remember just lightly pushing off on my left where I can, I tend to drive more with my left and then my right is just kind of like, it's like the steering one. It's just the one that's kind of out there, but, um, it's, uh, it was just, um, it was just throwing my whole gate off that you, by the end of the, you know, six miles of doing that after the end of, after a marathon, my, my body was just not having it and so my achilles was all swollen my calf was not wanting to work and my quad was just you know just screaming at me and so yeah i still kind of walk with a limp right now so yeah. so you know travis i was i went back and kind of looked at some of our at our results uh, i you know uh, to your point neither one of us nobody would mistake us for for quality runners right we get out there and we we do the we do the we do the work and, yep. and that's good but there's still something to be said like let's let's go take a look at the results and like just to kind of see like hey was our approach sound like because these are the things to me that carry forward into the to the bike or into the to the triathlon like did you pace it right did you fuel correctly did you did you stick to your race plan you know we had a lot of conversation the 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 weeks leading up to it, like how are we going to approach the race i think we covered in the podcast like how are we going to approach our fueling and and so maybe just a couple minutes here real quick. I, I wanted to kind of share that, you know, from a pacing side, our goal, we, like you said, we lined up, you know, with the, what was it? The 405 group, yep. four hour group. And, and look, if, if we wanted to just turn ourselves into dedicated runners, I think, you know, maybe the 330 would have been the, the, the pace to try to stick with, but that's not what, that's not our goal. Like this is, and we'll talk about A, B and C things in a minute, but this was not the A race. So, so we lined up with the fours. And, and I think, you know, we watched that four hour uh, pacer kind of go ahead, go up the road and come back and then go up the road and then come back. So I felt like, you know, we were trying to pace it pretty well. I looked at our results, Travis, if you break the race up into quarters, which is kind of how I think of it, you know, we picked up, you know, almost 200 positions over from, from quarter one to quarter four. And it wasn't until it was quarter one to quarter two, we picked up about 50 spots quarter two to quarter three, we picked up another 50 and it's, and it's like, you know, that, I think that tells us that at least relative to the other competition, I think we paced it pretty darn well because we didn't really lose any positions until that last three miles when both of us, like, Hey, the wheels kind of fell off a little bit, yep. but we still held on to reasonable paces. It just wasn't quite the pace we had before. And, and, you know, for, you know, anybody that listens to David Goggins out there, you know, when you start passing people in a race, you, you're taking their soul and you saw it. I mean, you saw it on their faces when you, when you yeah. pass people that we were running with, to your point, you were catching up from the stop, from the pit stop. And what were the looks on people's faces as you were going by them? And you, you look fresh. I mean, you look relatively fresh compared to them. Yeah, yeah they were. It's just, it's just that feeling of just like these, they didn't pace it right. And yeah. you can just tell, and you see it in a lot of races where, people just go out too hard and then they end up just paying for it and then struggling to get to the, to the end. And yeah, yeah it was, yeah, it was good. I, I think our fueling was spot on too. I mean, we use very similar fueling strategies. <clears throat> um, and, and I think I said going into it, like, Hey, I want to try, you know, obviously every three miles roughly is when we would traditionally 
you know, take a, take a gel or get the hundred calories in. And I made some slight adjustments to my hydration throughout the race. Like I, as, as the race kind of got deeper, I found myself going more and more to the, to the electrolyte mix versus just straight water. Yep. And, and I found myself, I, I feel like the, the fueling, I hit the goose just a little bit before the three mile mark to try to get yeah. a little extra head start on the fueling. So for those of you who don't know, like the, a lot of times in the marathons, like you'll get stations with the goo and water together, and then you won't get another goo stop for a couple more miles. Well, I was actually hitting the goos in between goo stops. So in between miles, so I would have a goo at a mile and then it would be another mile before I get to the water break. And, and so I was finding myself like, I felt like that, that, that worked for me this time. I don't know if it'll work again, but that, that was exactly like the strategy I was wanting to use. And, and it worked and it felt great to, to see that, Hey, you know what? The fueling worked, the hydration worked, um, switching to the electrolytes towards the end. I felt like my muscles kind of held on a little bit more. Don't know if that's actually how it works or not, but it, it seemed like it worked for me. And I was curious. I mean, I think we had, like I said, we had similar fueling strategies, but you know, maybe speak a little bit to like, how did you stick to the plan? Oh, I, I'm, I was with you on that. As soon as I was like, you could feel, I could feel the sugar kind of just going out of my body. So you, you kind of get those lulls after, you know, basically like two and a half miles. I'm starting to feel like, Ooh, mm -hmm. my legs are starting to feel heavy. My body's starting to feel a little sluggish. And then I would just do it. You, you know, like you were saying, mm -hmm. and just go up before, before the next, uh, aid station. But I did find that towards the end of the race, I was getting a little heavy in my stomach and I started to kind of like feel like I was going to throw up. And, um, that was my cue to drink a couple extra swigs of water. So mm -hmm. that next aid station I went and, um, you know, I had, I had more Gatorade for sure. And then I did, uh, you know, two cups of water and actually drank them and just didn't like splash them on me and, you know, just get a sip in. I actually like focused and, and drank the water. And then that was the only thing it, it basically relieved itself after that. And I was yeah. good to go. So it was just that being able to kind of, you know, we train a lot and we, and we do a lot of these long sessions, you know, your, your nutrition may be correct for what you're doing, but you, you may have to just be like, Oh, I need a little bit more extra water or mm, I feel a little heavy or, you know, cause I was almost going to skip, um, a feed basically. Mm -hmm. And I think come that back stretch of the marathon, um, those last six miles, I was you know, if I, if I would have skipped it, I don't think I would have, I would have faded Hold really on. fast. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's, it's, I can feel, um, I can feel the energy like, uh, dissipating and yeah. it's not really like I couldn't continue to run. It's just that it gets, it doesn't, a lot, it's not sharp. Yeah. yeah. It gets a lot easier for my mind to, um, you know, be like, we should just stop and walk, you know, like. <laughs> that's my mind every step of that marathon going you could just walk you could go a little slower you can you can walk and it's basically my you know my willpower of just telling it to you know shut up and yeah. and suffer because it's it's time to go yeah the other thing i would ask you guys and i think i found this along the way is i always have a feeling strategy and sometimes it just goes to hell so i also need to have a strategy of when i feel this way 
this is what I should do. For instance, I get really terrible cramps. And when I feel like that, I know I need to take in some salt. Do you guys have a when all hell breaks loose feeling strategy in addition to what you hope will happen? Oh, yeah. I think that comes with um, when you when you train a lot and you do a lot of this stuff where you're going to be depleted, there is always backups to backups. So like I said, you know, I when when I felt sick in my stomach, like I was going to throw up, I was like, okay, either I'm not digesting the goo that I'm eating or I'm actually sick. And so um, <clears throat> part of that is, well, the first thing I'm going to try uh, to help, you know, and we talked about it last week of creating osmolality in your stomach so that you can absorb it. That's the first line of defense is, okay, drink a little bit more water. Hopefully that'll uh, make it more neutral so that my body can pull it in. And if that corrects it, then we're good to go. If that doesn't correct it, then we're on to phase two, which is we're probably going to throw up. <laughs> so everybody's then, favorite. Then, yeah, everybody's favorite. And so that's a little bit more of a, yeah, we throw up and then what do we do? We have to eat. We have to continue to fuel. So yeah. you just kind of start back over. But, but, you know, I think, I think you nailed it at the beginning, Travis, this, you learn all these things, you, you do all of this with the training. So like Serena, I think to your, to your question about, you know, do you have a, a bailout fuel strategy? You know, here's the, here's the reality. When you get into these situations, your, your mind is not, your mind is not working right. Especially if your fueling strategy isn't working, your mind isn't working. So, so you don't have an opportunity to think about these things and you really need to start relying on instinct that you develop in your training. That's why the consistency is so important because when, when you get out on those training rides and we talked about this last week, Travis, like you get on these training rides and, and you start to feel like you might be close to bonking or, or you start to, you know, just don't feel right. Like you're going to naturally try to change things up. Like that's the time to test it out. And, and Serena, I think to your question directly. Do you have a bailout strategy? Yeah, it's called instinct that you've developed from all the training you've built up to leading up to these types of events. And, and I think that's why you see so many people that that struggle. Like they they think they have the plan. And what is it? The old, you know, this probably gets overused, but the old Bill Mike Tyson, right? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. When you get punched in the mouth by the race, your plan falls apart and you've got to you know, you've got to rely on your instinct. And I think that gets developed in all the, in all the training. And, and those are, that's where, that's the time to really test out like, Hey, I don't feel right. Maybe I should take more salt. Oh, that didn't work. So what, what else can I try next time? You know, I don't know. That's how I see it, but I, w I wish it was, I wish everything worked according to a plan. It never, it rarely does. Um, this race seemed to seem to seem to like it was closer than others. So. Yeah. I, I find with doing these, like, you know, Ironman events, uh, you know, these really longer events, it's really kind of trying to get in touch with your, your gut basically, and just be like, well, what do you need me to do? You know, do you need, do you need more water? Do you need electrolytes? Do you need food? Do you need a hot dog? Like what, you know, what do you need? And, um, you know, sometimes it's just, it's experimenting too. Like I've, I used to, um, like I used to, uh, when I would ride these long rides, I used to get to a place where I would just be so mad at just 
anything like you know the cow on the side of the road like what are you looking at cow what do you think you're doing huh you want to talk to me like that and it's just like it was just super negative super negative energy for me and then i found that that means when i when i start having these really aggressive negative thoughts that's my sodium is too low mm. like way too low and so then i started taking uh salt and man that that just um that you know cheers like perked me right up and i'm you know more cognitive and ready to go but it's you you don't find this stuff out until you get put into those situations um you know i can't i can't tell you like how many times people are like well how much do you how do you know when you know how many how do you know when you are uh you know you're salt deficient and how do you know when you're you know you're about to bonk and a lot of the times is well you know when you're there you just don't know it at the time and yeah. you have to like you have to put yourself you know in these situations <clears throat> before you kind of realize like oh that's 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 what bonking feels like that's right. oh that's what that's what it feels like when i'm you know low on salt or that's what it feels like when you know when i'm dehydrated you know that kind of stuff that leads so. me to one of my favorite Travis stories. And it becomes <laughs> something funny later down the road. I can remember one of our very first gravel rides that we rode for any real substantial diff distance. And I certainly did not take in enough calories that day. And I can remember looking at Travis saying, that looks like a really great cemetery. I think I'm just going to lay down and rest there. <laughs> And he looked at me, he said, we are not taking a ditch nap and we're definitely not taking a ditch nap in the cemetery. But I mean, that was a day I wasn't sure I was going to make it past those last three miles. But I'm so thankful that I had that feeling that day because I also remember the feeling 10 minutes before that and 30 minutes before that and an hour before that. Mm -hmm. But now every time we drive past the cemetery or ride past one, I, I'm always glad to point it out to Travis and tell him that I learned my lesson that day. Oh, that's great. That is awesome. Yeah. And then I think what I told, I told you when we were doing that and I was like, oh no, we're not going to take a ditch nap. I'm like, you just need to eat all your food. And then you turn to me very logically and go, well, what if we don't make it back by the time I'm done eating all this food? And I was like, <laughs> we're going to make it back by that time. <laughs> So, so that is that is so funny. So I I think that I mean that's a really good segue then into like how do you build that experience and that's with you know obviously training but then your A B and C events right? Yeah, I mean yeah. this is this is basically what we live and die by is A B and C events. Mm -hmm. You know, um, do you guys want to explain what an A B and a C event means to you? Uh, what do they mean to you, Serena? That's the best part. I think I think you've learned the most. Uh, uh, these last couple of years for sure about A, B, and C events. Right. So when I met Travis, every event was an A event. Every time I pinned a number onto my shirt or to the front of my bike, I was going to go out there and try to win and absolutely destroy myself. And no matter what it cost me, I was going to give a hundred percent effort. So that's to me an A race that you've trained for all season you're going to give it your all and you have a lot of plans for it i then learned that there's a b event which is something that's still important to you and you'd like to do well but there's some real training value in it and for me those are the events where i'm going to go out there and i'm going to practice my fueling i'm going to practice my transitions i'm going to 
practice all those race day things without taking it to a number 10 effort. And then for me, a C event and Travis is the best and Danny too, uh, these where they explained to me early on that gravel is the best place to be because if you don't finish, somebody will come and pick you up and you can have a beer on the side of the road or at the finish line and nobody's going to give you a hard time. And those are the days where you're just out there to enjoy the day, see what you can learn from it and prepare yourself for one of those A or B events. And to me, learning to ride and run those B and C events has really made me a much better athlete for those A days. Wow. I, yep. That's, I think that's the textbook version right there. I don't think yeah. you can find it any better than that. No, that's great. That's exactly that's how experience I experience talking. It. Yeah. Yep. That is awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when we first start out in this, this sport, we want to do well, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm going to do this race. I'm going to, you know, try to, you know, do as, as best I can at this race. And then I'm going to do ooh, this next race. Everybody, all my friends are doing this race. That's two weeks later. I'm going to do that as hard as I can. Oh, and there's another race that these other friends are doing and a couple of weeks later than that. I'm going to do is that. And it's just like, by the time you get to the end of your season, you, if you race everything as hard as you possibly can, you're either injured or you are really not happy with the sport mm. at this time because yeah. it is, it's a lot tied up into these a events. You know, Travis, I think we 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 talked to a lot of folks around here that <clears throat> like, why don't you do more races and and uh, you know you should you should just go out and sign up for these events and and go have fun with them and fun fun is for the C event, right? I mean, how much fun do you have in an A event, really? Oh yeah, that's so that's that's my thing too. As I always like people to race more, but I don't I don't say like race more. It's like more of like you should do more events so that you can go and have fun and like hang out with people that are, you know, you're like-minded, you know, do you're you're there with a couple thousand of your friends, you sure. know? And we're all doing the same thing. Like uh, you know, uh the A events are not fun. They are basically a very rigid um, adherence to my pacing, to my fueling, to uh, to where I feel in the course that I can attack or I can make up time. Um, it is it is this constant just drain, um, isn't it? Just it's a very mentally focused thing of yeah. um, what did I eat? When do I eat? I need to eat more. What is my power? What is my speed? What is this? What's the next climb? When is the next this? When's that? Um, how far to the next thing? And it's just this, you know, list of things that you're just rattling off over and over and over and over. You're not even looking around. Like, I don't, I don't remember much of Chattanooga other than, you know, the 10 feet in front of me mm -hmm. um, because it was an A event and I just needed to get to the finish line. And yeah. that was it. That was the whole goal is just to get one foot. Every time I slowed down, I would basically berate myself and get myself moving forward again as fast, uh, back up to speed. And it was just this thing that you do in an A event because it's that important to you that you you wouldn't feel right with yourself if you let yourself slack off. Your future yeah. self would not be happy. That's right. With your with your with your present self making decisions. So that's how I view a event. A events. Yeah. B events. They're a lot more funner. They're the they're the events I like to I like to do. Um, not as much as C events, but B events basically is that you know we're going to this event and let's say we're going to 
do a gravel race um and it's 100 miles that b event like i may have a goal of holding on to the front group for the first 20 miles and then mm -hmm. allowing myself to drift off or it'll be like i'm trying this new nutrition that i have that i'm formula that i'm going with and i'm going to use that through the whole race and i'm going to see how it affects my you know my gut and um, my cognitive functions and all that other stuff whereas Go ahead. whereas yeah whereas we get to see events you know serena summed it up great is just those are the events where you just go and you and you reconnect with the sport that you love so like mm -hmm. if it's a sea triathlon you're just going there and you're having a fun day you're gonna swim you're gonna go out and bike you're gonna go out and you know run with all your friends and you know maybe it's a grand fondo and you just ride with all your friends and you don't care how long it takes the the time is irrelevant you're not there to pr you're just there to just there to have fun and you know reconnect with why you do stuff yeah that's and right. that's what and that's what this marathon was is it, it was a, a total sea event for me yeah you know so, i think i think you know that's that i think you really set that up well because then like how do you choose well you know there should only be prop there's probably only going to be one or two a events in a season right i mean you just can't like if you're really pouring that much focus effort energy the, the build up the training if you're pouring all of that into to a true a event you just don't have the time for more than a couple of those in a given season right yep. it's just so i think i think that's you know serena i love how you said that at the beginning that when you first started every event was an a event and there's nothing wrong with that but but then, you know, as you start to get more and more into it, what have, what have you found, Serena? Like, how many A events do you really feel like you can focus on? And how do you kind of now pick out what the A event is? So for me, my A event, I usually pick one bike A event and one triathlon A event. And I try to put some distance in between them so that I can really focus on training pretty exclusively for one and then the other, but probably using the training for one to build into the other. Um, and, and that's how I pick them. But for me too, I think the one thing that maybe we didn't talk about in what a B or C event is, are those are the days that if I need to, I need to go into it and think this is a training day, I am going to get some value out of this day and I need to do it in a way that I'm not destroying myself. So I can't train for the next week because I'm just shattered. And that was something that was hard for me too, is that you can use a race as a training day if you can make your brain think of it that way. Yeah, and you get to practice all those other little things you don't do on a training day, like, hey, I can practice my transition a little differently, or I can I can take a, a different pacing approach. You know, you can you can just work out some of those details that you just can't simulate those on a, on a normal training day. You need a race environment to be able to, to figure those things out, right? Yes. And I think for me, one of the things that I'm still really working hard on is I being able to ride my bike in a pack in a race mm. environment. And that's still something that makes me incredibly nervous. I'm never sure what the person in front of me is going to do. I'd rather not have a crash. I want yeah. to be able to break. And um, I remember so that, by the way, I remember that with <laughs> Unbound. How many times I tell you, get get up on Travis's wheel, get up on Travis's yeah, wheel. But it makes me so nervous. And really, the only place I can practice that is a race situation. Mm -hmm. And practicing that feeling of having to go out really hard when my brain is telling me, man, you've got a really long ways to go. <laughs> 
don't blow yourself up now, but knowing that if I'm going to try to, at a local race, find myself on a podium, that is what is required. So to know how much is hard enough, but not so hard that I can't finish the race. So that's what I use those BNC events for too. Yeah. I think, I think this is, this is a great conversation. I think if you're just getting started out, like Serena, to your point, if, if folks are listening to this and you're just getting started out you're like, gosh, I, I think everything is an A event. Like it's okay, but, but just know you'll get more out of it when you start to break your, your events up into these, these different tiers. And, and if you're more experienced then it's like, well, maybe I really need to go back and evaluate, you know, is this truly a B or a C event or am I, am I setting that event up with the right kind of goals to, to support my A event? And, and Travis, that's something I think you push on athletes quite a bit is you have a goal for the race or the event, even if it's a yep. B or C event, right? Yep. There's, there's always, so anytime <clears throat> any one of my athletes toes the line, they, they know exactly what the goal is for that event. So even if it's a C event, like it'll be like, I want you to have fun. And I want you to eat all the snacks and I want you to do, you know, this part. I want you to ride, you know, with the, with, if I know, if I know some other riders that are there, if it's a, if it's a local event and I know the people that are there, I'll tell them, you know, I'll tell you guys to, you know, ride with these people for a while, you know, or, you know, do stuff like that. If it's a B event, it's the same thing. There's, there's power targets, there's heart rate targets. Um, there's fueling strategies. And then for an A event, when we, when we're, uh, when my athletes are trained for an A event, it's all, by the time they get to their A event, they know exactly what they have to do. Yeah. Every, basically every, you know, every five miles of the bike ride, they know exactly what they're going to do in transition. They know exactly what they're going to do on the run, every aid station. So th that's the, the level of detail that you get going into these a b and c events is you know and and that's you know that's what you want to that's why there's like the the delineation of these events is that you're, you can only be mentally focused on this stuff so much mm -hmm. and 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 serena has said it you know in the past podcast too of you know the reason she has me as a coach is so that i just tell her these are your numbers and this is what you're going to hit and this is what you're going to do and then she goes out and executes and she doesn't have to think about like racecraft or any of that other stuff. It's already been thought out for her. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. So wow, really good good topics there. I, I think, you know, who would have thought you can get you can get so much out of a, a topic like that, A, B, and C events, but I'll tell you there's a lot that goes into it. And when you start to like I said, when you really start to focus on breaking your schedule down with these in mind the the gains you get from it are are you, you just can't replace it you can't you can't uh, replicate it at all so it's awesome yep. so guys i want to kind of circle back just with one more question for you <clears throat> knowing yep. now that visa was a c event for you what did you get out of that what did you take away from mesa mm. Mm. so uh wow yeah um so i i think for me you know that that stretch the, that seven ish mile stretch from 15 to 22 like i i i it was not the fastest seven miles i've ever ran in my life but it was it was one of the more difficult because my legs just they they hurt like there was so much like 
it it's hard to explain. It's not a it's not like muscles hurt like they're gonna fall apart. But there was just there was that good. There's a good tempo run. There was burn there. It was it was difficult. One of it's really hard. It was, but but I did it and and I didn't. Try, so you said earlier, it's like you, you just kind of fight yourself. Like oh, I can just walk a little bit. And then once you start down that slope, it's like next thing you know, you're walking constantly. Yep. And I didn't. I did not. I did not let myself do that. My legs just kept. They just the the pain just kind of kept adding on, adding on, adding on. And and I think for me to get sort of to that that sort of next threshold of of pain and suffering, and and toleration toleration of it. Like now now I know I can do it. So going into bike season, like I'm like I'm kind of anxious. Hard to say this, but I'm actually anxious for my next FTP test because I want to test that. Like you know what. The legs are gonna hurt. So what? Deal with it and and just keep pushing and see how far you go. And so I think I learned I learned a lot about you know pain tolerance threshold and just just push through it. Don't 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 cave into that weaker thought. Travis. Yeah, I <clears throat> I'm the same way. Um, I think that last um, couple miles just really taught me like. Um, I've been, I've been hitting the gym a little bit more this, this winter, this winter time. And I've just found that now I can feel my, um, my hips aren't as weak as they were last year. Um, I had a running the two marathons. It would always be my, so as like the front part of my hip that would kind of give out and my leg wouldn't want to lift in front of me this year. It was, it was none of that because I've been working in the gym on making sure that that stuff is stronger. It was really just, um, meant the mental battle of, uh, you know, how much pain was I willing to tolerate? And it, it really wasn't until that one mile where I kind of walked a little extra and I, I basically was telling myself, you only get to walk to that corner and that's the only time you get to walk. For the rest of the race mm -hmm. so and then i and i basically just said like enjoy it and because it's the only time and then from then on out it was it was the sooner i get this over with the sooner gravel season starts and it was that became my mantra it was just like i'm gonna get to i'm really excited to get on the bike and see um how this uh season of running has an impacted you know my cycling for sure Awesome. Awesome. Well, right. Serena, anything else? You good? I'm good. I, as I wasn't here last week, I took my six-year-old on a Disney cruise, which was an adventure all in itself. Probably not as athletically as I would like, but certainly <laughs> I learned what my limits were emotionally. But I'm a little concerned and I'll be interested to see how it plays out of just telling my mind that it's okay. I'm far enough away from Unbound. I'm far enough away from my Ironman that I can plan for some breaks and to have my own life and to do things that are valuable to me and my family and still do this at the same time. Though yes. I just feel myself tied in knots, just a little twisted up, a little worried. So we'll see yeah. what the next week she brings. Yep. I think, I think once you get out there and, um, you start, uh, you know, getting in some consistent, you know, training blocks, I think that'll put your mind to ease because you'll be like, Oh, I remember this. And it just, you know, everything kind of shakes back in there and you, you know, we're all apprehensive. I think, 
you know, Danny's probably a little apprehensive about unbound 202 and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a little apprehensive about the, the gravel season coming up too, but it's, it's, I know I've, I've done this enough times to know that like, once you get back on the bike and you get riding and stuff starts to just kind of click together and you just keep throwing down consistent training it, those, um, those knots that you tie yourself into tend to, you know, untie themselves and, and you feel a lot better as you get closer to race day. But I mean, Travis, our friend Britta, who was the one you saw in yep. Arizona also told me to really treasure that because this panic that I'm feeling is also what is going to make me train on the days that I don't yes. want to. Yes. Great advice. Yes. Great advice. A million dollar advice right there. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I talk about, uh, with, you with the goal being just scary enough that it keeps you honest you know it keeps you going you're like i cannot take today off because if i do then my whole you know one day is not going to make or break your training session but you're like how many of these you know one days you know am i going to pile up i'd rather not just have any you know or save it to the you know when i really need them and so that's i think is you know really great advice is that you you're scared and you should be scared because it's important you know if you weren't scared it it wouldn't be a like an important goal for you so yeah i was i was still scared with the marathon i mean (laughs) the day of i was like i don't know if we're gonna be able to run it you know i didn't i just didn't feel like i'd put in enough quality run sessions to you know complete it so we all we all get that way for sure so well, All right. I'm so proud of you too. Congratulations on doing something that's really hard. And I just sometimes think that we really need to just give ourselves a quiet round of applause because some of the things we're out here trying to do, 90% of the population doesn't even attempt. So I'm yeah, really proud of my like, friends today. Yeah. 99%. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you. And that's yep, great. Thank you. Yep. yep. And it's uh great having you back, Serena. And uh, we'll, catch everybody else up next week suffer complete man suffer complete let's go thanks for listening if you like what you heard please comment subscribe and share with your friends if you have ideas for topics questions or would like coaching please email suffer sooner at gmail.com and remember sometimes you just have to suffer sooner